0: Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in, let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat and managing the radio for this road trip is Steve Wright. Steve has nearly four decades of experience in universal design, mobility, urban design, planning, and architecture. He has presented on universal design issues and solutions at the National Conference of the American Planning Association and at the International Making Cities Livable Forum in Paris. His award-winning reporting on inclusive cities frequently appears in Planning Magazine His storytelling has advised dozens of clients on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility with a focus on creating a better built environment for people with disabilities. And he's published more than 5,000 professional articles on best practices for creating inclusive places. Steve has made daily blog entries uh, and social media posts on universal design and disability advocacy for more than a decade. Hi, Steve. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. You bet. I When I came across you, there were so, so many things I wanted to dig into. We've yet to really get into this topic on the show. So this is perfect uh, with you and everything that you work on uh, on design. And the more I get into the show, the more I've been finding there are nooks and crannies out there that kind of tick me off. And I want to try to give people like you an opportunity to talk about them so we could bring them to light. So maybe Do something about it. It's better to talk about things to get something done, instead of just sitting back and doing doing nothing. Agreed. And and I always joke with people that I, you know, there is part of me that wants to put myself out of
1: business, but I think I could live Mm -hmm. to a thousand. We would still have, unfortunately, architects, planners, and and engineers pushing back on inclusion. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, we're, we're all humans. We the older we get, we more we can look at humans and say humans are stupid. All right. So yeah. I want to touch on something. I, I came across it. There's a tidbit that I found on you and it, it goes rather than going to a theme park or the beach, he begged his parents to go on vacation to Toronto and other great urban centers of architecture, design, art, culture, history, dining, and walkability. Huh?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, as a little yeah. kid,
0: that mu- that's your thread that yeah. goes through you. It started back then. It's-
1: yeah. And it's probably say, AKA big nerd, you know, but because I'm not one of the <laughs> I didn't cool- want to say it. You yeah. said it. Man. I wasn't, wasn't the cool kid going off to my screen test or to throw a spiral on 50 yards to a receiver. <laughs> yeah. No, I, again, don't want to go on a tangent, but, uh, I was born in 64, and my folks sort of – there's no other way of labeling it. They did the white flight thing. You know, they. I, I'm a person who loves diversity and people different than me, but they, okay. they moved to a very homogenous area on more than an acre of land, which they thought it was the golden – whatever, golden horizon. To me, it just meant you could never get more than four kids to play baseball, and that's not a real good yeah. – it's not a real good baseball team, so... Yeah, really, you got to have a I lot just, of ghost got, runners then. Yeah, my, you know, our dad's as all-time pitchers, but... Uh, yeah. No, I just, I, yeah, there's something about those bright lights and those Art Deco buildings, even if they were oh. fading, or, you know, I, just that, that excited me. So, yeah, yeah I, I, we didn't, you know, we, we didn't go to a whole lot of the cities that were on my list, because I think my father would have chosen death versus New York City, but... Mm. Uh, you know, you could have given him all expense paid in Broadway and it would have been too congested or too crazy for him. But
0: There's, there's a lot to be learned by looking backwards, except when it comes to things like accessibility and inclusion, you know, very good point. You mentioned you, that you were, uh, you were in Paris. My wife Sue and I were in, in, went all around Europe this past fall. Mm-hmm. And I've got to tell you the subway system, uh, That's in Paris, holy cow, it, I mean, I have a disability, but I can walk in things. But for a person in a wheelchair, especially, no. wow. What no, did yes. you find? And, and did you learn anything that you picked up there? Or were you able to talk to some people from the Paris area about, you know, you got some problems here, folks? Oh,
1: no, no. And, and it's unfortunate because everybody I've talked to is pretty much like, forget it. You know, this, it's like, you know, hey, I'd like to go swimming on Mars. And they kind of look at you like, oh, you know, that that's <laughs> not going to happen in your lifetime. But oh, no, I, I, now, you know, they sort of tell you the say, obviously, New York City maybe about 25 percent of subways have elevators, although if any given day, a good amount are broken. That really means one in wow. five station can be used. But but anyway, you know, in Paris, they just say, you know, oh, this would cost like a third of a billion per station and we have a thousand stations. So we just we can't. And I don't like we can as an answer, but I, their fallback is like New York where, well, we have buses that go everywhere. It's just that, as we know, buses are slower. You, you can get from the furthest flung around Dismont to the center of Paris in 18 minutes by subway. Mm-hmm. That could be a 40 minute proposition by bus.
0: So, well, later in the show, we're going to be talking about an interview that you, you did with uh, Pete Buttigieg. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about, uh, I, I pulled a quote from him after a question oh. you asked him. It seemed like some typical political BS, but we'll get, we'll get to uh,
1: it. And if I could, I'm sorry, if I could this in yeah. one other thing, um, Carlos Moreno, who's a friend, he, I, I speak baby Spanish and he's a Colombian native who teaches at the Sorbonne in, in Paris, but he, he invented that 15 minute city, which is kind of the big, you know, every 10 years, there's some big explosion for how we redo our urban areas oh, yeah. and what the answer. And it's somewhat controversial with some folks, but, but again, I, I was just talking to him yesterday and saying that if Paris could do something about the subways or maybe they had streamlined bus routes as, as the above ground alternative, uh, Otherwise, this this concept kind of fits people with disabilities because the idea is, you have a decent amount of social and accessible housing. Mm-hmm. You retrofit the little shops for for entry points. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Paris is doing that for the Olympics. They're doing mom and pop grants, so those little cheese shops or those little pastry shops that we all define Paris by, but they're yeah. in a hundred or two hundred year old building. They're. Yes. They're giving mom and pop grants to do some ramps and widen some thresholds. It's not gonna paint the world perfect, but but anyway, I just they could
0: do something. You
1: know, you know, again, just or the new urbanist here, which is kind of like the the uh the fifteen minute city where when you talk about transit and walkability and safe crossings and parks every so often and yep. you know, meeting your needs without having to go on a car to the mall to buy your groceries or to buy your new t shirt or or go to the pharmacy that I do think that works. It's just, again, when you're doing that, make sure that, you know, I, I forgive me, I'm rambling too much, but, uh, you know, why do the crosswalks have to be 30 seconds? Is there, is there some tremor, oh. of, you know, of deities that say that? I, I was working in Mexico City probably almost a year ago to the day and a lot of their most urban central areas, it's 75 seconds to cross. I might've said 30 minutes, but to correcting myself, 30 seconds. No, you seconds, said
0: the seconds. But, you yeah, said seconds. But,
1: uh, anyhow you know there are some that that you know whatever they consider mexico as some sort of pejorative term or some way of of complaining which i you know i, I love diversity I you, know, I you know there there's only a million museums there that cost about 5 bucks so it's like how can you not love it but but uh, and they're world class but anyway you know again, you know, I, I have yet to interview Buddha Allah and, and the Lord and whoever else and they all said, oh, you know, if it if you if we time it more than 30 seconds, you know, the earth's gonna spin off its axis and we're all gonna be burning. So yeah, yeah. Well, why not
0: do that? Let's get into what I, I came up with sure. a different idea for, for doing the show. Like I said, I, I pulled pieces from articles and interviews that you've done. And we're just gonna sit here and we're gonna play a little game. We're gonna we're going to let the wheel tell us uh, which uh, article we're going to start with.
1: Okay, pass agent.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to do it twice. I'm just bullshitting you. We really don't have a wheel to go from. I have a script here pretty much, but we are able to go off our script if we want to do that, okay? No, I'm, I'm totally able to do that. I am known so, to do
1: that, and I'll probably punish you with that. So.
0: <laughs> well, here's here's number one. The ADA is the only civil rights legislation on the books for people with disabilities. People with disabilities had to wait a quarter century after the great civil rights legislation of the 1960s, and I know you're not making light of that at all, to get yeah. their rights protected by federal law. For better or worse, they, those who framed and adopted the ADA forced people with disabilities to litigate in order to uphold their rights. There is no ADA police, and there is no ADA code compliance unit. No, wow! Go on. No, no, you. What the heck?
1: You hit one of my favorites, and and again, you know, there's a fellow by the name of Matthew Dietz in, in Miami who is is an ADA attorney. He's got a law clinic in a university, and and when some place ignores a year of could we please or could you please or I'll almost draw it for you, he does litigate. But and he even admits that yes. California, Florida, there are a couple firms that sort of specialize, I guess you could call it the bundled lawsuit or the okay. you know, yeah. contractors call it the, the drive by, but here's what I say to that, okay? So maybe 5% of those lawsuits are bundled. Number one, they don't they don't pull them out of the air. If there are 100 chain hotels with 400 rooms and they're making a billion dollars for that industry over a 10-year period, you can throw $500 or $1,000 at a pool lift. So okay. again, these people, you know, so number one, yeah, maybe those are all bundled, but it's, it's springing freedoms that people have been guaranteed for 33 years come July 26th this year.
0: Number so you're two. saying, you're saying then Steve that, yeah. all right, the ADA was great and it's on the books, right? but uh, there's still a lot of hurdles.
1: Correct. Correct. And again, like I said, it's a shame that there wasn't some sort of funding for an intermediary thing or a design lab in every population okay. over 100,000. But I, I guess I'm just saying, let me get my point, too, with that is, you know, even if whatever, even if the greatest tribunal on earth or the Supreme Court decided, OK, maybe five or seven percent of the ADA lawsuits are extra or, or or extra litigious. OK, name me a thing on earth that doesn't have a percent of Corruption or not cool. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. com, you know, commerce,
1: yeah. you know. Let's face it: we have hostile takeovers. We have people looting the company. We have embezzlers. You know, we have people that go away for twenty years. It used to be the CEO that polluted the water. So, by that system, we would say we will have no more commerce. Let's just hide under the bed sheets until we mummify and die. Right? Okay. I, the baby with the bathwater doesn't hold with ADA, and yet otherwise rational people will throw that out at me you know, I, to an insane end, you know, human sexuality, there's prostitution and there's violations. And, you know, by that term, we would say, because a certain fraction of people are misusing this procreation, let's just outlaw it and shoot anybody that thinks about it. We don't do that. So why do we, why do we circle the, the ungainly tiny fraction outlier, of the ADA and act like we should just dismantle the whole legislation? It, it doesn't well, hold logic.
0: The more I've been getting into doing the show and and talking to people like you and so many different facets of uh, disability, I can look back and I I do um, not thumb my nose at where disability community is right now, but I just throw out a suggestion all the time. Look at what LGBTQ plus community has done. Follow that script. And now when you mention civil rights legislation, that's come a heck of a long way and it it all threads through my mind and I don't think disability is there yet. You have to bring it into mainstream by marketing it or making it more commonplace. So that needs to be done. And I've been talking to more guests about the commonplace of disability and how it's starting to come around, but it's slow ass process.
1: Oh, you know, I, I think on a, on a radio show in, in, in Britain a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a person and explaining our ADA and, and, you know, they were, they were framing within the the overall disability rights movement. I said, you know, where is our Martin Luther King? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that uh, Christopher Reeve did a little bit, but he was a bit obsessed with the quote unquote cure rather than the, how do you accommodate people day by day? Uh, We have some wonderful people that they're probably making more money than me and then working in an office on the 50th floor in New York or whatever. But uh, I just don't know that we have that. Let's face it, you know, even the detractors or maybe even the racist, everyone knew who Dr. King was. Everyone had heard True. of his speeches. Everyone had seen him confronting presidents, mayors, etc. I don't know that even with the late Judy Human, who was a very wonderful person, I don't know that there's a, you know, probably when the New York Times wrote her obit, there's probably a lot of people that said, oh, that's sweet or, oh, that's my first time I've read about her. So it's yeah, just, probably. we're waiting for that, you know, that knight in shining armor, that person that's willing to spend the night in jail or whatever to, to get the word across so
0: okay well maybe this next thing i'm going to bring up has something to do with the future who knows but i want to talk about cnu now cnu is defined as congress for new urbanism which helps create vibrant and walkable cities towns and neighborhoods where blah 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 blah. is how realistic is this is it a thing
1: it, Is it oh, a it's group? definitely a thing. Um, I'm probably going to bite the hands that feed me because I've worked with uh, some of their members. It's got to uh, start
0: someplace, Steve.
1: Number one, it's very wired towards Newtown. So at least when you're built, okay. you know, when, when some family acquires the 300-acre soybean field, at least it should have transit or it should be walkable or it should have mixed use or affordable apartments. So that's the good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, one of the framers of that who used to be my neighbor in Miami. Well, neighbor as in he was in a $4 million house and I was in the 200,000, you know, but we were close enough to walk for coffee, but he uh, he pushed back on a lot of this. He, he called the ADA the nanny state. And that was a very pejorative term in his word as an architect and planner. And he felt that this, you know, I want to build a townhouse. I want to build, it's cheaper to build a three-story walk-up. And I'm like, well, okay, but could could every fifth townhouse unit have maybe a ramp in the back? Maybe you need that lifted street frontage so the, the passers by on a busy street aren't looking in, looking in on your living room and invading your privacy. But maybe you could design something with a rear entrance that's accessible. Or, you know, okay, maybe there are 400 units of multifamily housing that that this golden developer that's building this new urbanist thing, and you know, a lot of them feel it's very an iconoclastic development. Well, okay, so. Maybe one building is walk ups for poorer people because it's cheaper, but what's to say the other, you know, the other building can't be a hundred move in ready where you've got roll in slash walk in showers? Uh, again, there's there's ways of skinning the cat there. I just, I don't like absolutist. I just don't like these folks that are. Is this, well, is, C-
0: is the CNU just suggestive or is there some sort of, do they have teeth? They, to- where-
1: they certainly lobby a lot to have codes changed to favor their kind of development, so I suppose okay. you would say teeth with that and again, you know they their previous exec director, Rick Cole, was a very soulful man, and he he gave me some platform to do some speaking and writing to to enlighten folks about this but and I'm not saying the new person isn't like that; I just haven't had the chance to meet her, but uh, like i said they they have this nerdy listserv and and that's probably all I'll say about it, but every once in a while when I post an ADA thing, I sort of get flamed out like, oh, this is an outlier. I, you know, I haven't seen a person in a wheelchair the last month of my life and it's kind of, Mm. I don't know where you're hanging out, but you know, the, the CDC identifies one in four adults have some degree of disability that, that incorporates visual and hearing and, and neurodiverse, et cetera. But that sounds like a pretty good market share to me. We might be getting ahead of one of the future questions, but, I have a buddy that I went to college with that works at Procter and Gamble and market development, and they spend about $2 million to bring a new toothpaste to market, you know, even if it's just red or oh, yeah. has, and their goal is to get like 1.5% more market share because there's billions of dollars in toothpaste. Well, how about you make your thing barrier free and comfortable and you get a 20 or 25% increased market share that, I, you know, that, that sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like even if your model is business, not altruism, or even if you define yourself as a a red state or a red governor, you know, creating jobs and and creating flow of commerce sounds like something you would, you would love. That would be on your Mount Rushmore of accomplishments.
0: That topic is something I've been getting into more with uh, some of the guests. And it just makes sense when you look at the number of people that are in the disability community or are disabled and the trillions of dollars that is out there. Why the heck aren't more people hopping on it? Blows my mind.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to dovetail on that, um, you know, AARP, which I'm old enough to have joined. I think they they send you a letter when you're 54 and a half and let's just sign up for your dues. But yeah, I think they're one of the largest member organizations on earth. Certainly, a lot of their early stuff was please save Social Security or please save Medicare, etc. But you, re, you pick up their glossy magazine, you get an email from them, you, mm-hmm. you're just wandering through YouTube on your one day that you're not busy as, as heck. And all these things are about aging in place, and they throw all these stats that for the first time in history, America has more people over age 60 than under 18, and mm-hmm. the number of people 60 and over is going to double in a quarter of a century. Some models show it in, in just two more decades. So, you know, as much as we see those 60 ads or, oh, 60 the new 40 and you're going to have a 20-year-old girlfriend, whatever, that's that's BS, you know? I, yeah. I, I pull an all nighter. I feel like a man who's pushing 60, not a 22 year old college kid. So, (laughs) you know, and again, you know, everyone, you know, even the Olympian, whatever the the Olympic decathlete is aging into a range of disability where they may not want to live in a split level house or they may not want to do the Spanish stairs, you know, going up to the community center of their park, even if the Spanish stairs look pretty in the architect's eyes. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: again, this is this is a market share. You know, and and I really you know, I'm not saying to say you're gonna be the richest person on earth, but but all these big institutional developers, when they start doing it not as a begrudging, oh, the county ordinance says we have to build 18 u- these units, but they'll be the crappiest ones, or they'll they'll be subsufficient, or maybe the grab bars aren't really moored as well as they should be. You know, when people start capturing that, is it they can just market as welcoming architecture or comfortable or or evolutionary it doesn't have to say ada it doesn't have to have a wheelchair symbol i, I as a marketer myself i think somebody's going to coin that and they're going to you know they're going to be like the first person that says bottled water and everybody said oh who paid for oh. bottled water and now it's like a you know
0: i think yeah let's not get there because that ticks me off with know. all the plastics yeah well, well i want to hit on something i'm
1: just saying you know
0: yeah my I bank
1: know. account might look fatter if i were the guy that first sold bottled water
0: true true well, let's get into talking about town planning when we were just discussing uh, the new new towns and new cities that are going up. And you, in, a, in a recent article you wrote, and this is in the article a little bit, and you say, okay, okay that was snarky. You, you said something that was a bit of a rip <laughs> on them. I really do appreciate how much they're seeing fewer cars on the road and uh, reimagining wide sidewalks, safe crosswalks, calmed traffic and streets being more than for the people than the automobile. But if they, love, if they love including everyone so much, you'd think the vast majority of town planners could invest all of five minutes, you are being snarky there, Steve, mm-hmm. good job, uh, to drag and drop a few people with disabilities into documents marked allegedly inclusive design. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop down a little bit because you then went off to uh, bolster what you just said in case anybody were to come back on you. And say, hey, hang on a second. You, you nailed it. Curious, I went online. I found tons of people with disability, clip art, Getty images, et cetera. Uh, diverse images of people with disabilities could readily be dropped onto the wide sidewalk, safe street crossing, bus, that and not being included. That comes back to education. And, and someone, somewhere, has got to just flip a switch and get that stuff included more. Right.
1: Because right, exactly. it's not happening and again you know i hope to i hope to goodness that people don't misinterpret me but i you know we we had mentioned before about civil rights and, and i believe in everyone's civil rights and we had mentioned how the LBGTQ people are so smart because they mm-hmm. they've made their you know they made from the ellen kiss on tv was like a shocker for some people to now it's mainstream of hey give us our rights and you know police chiefs are, are marching in pride parades and things to, to show that yes we're aware but but anyway the, the parallelism between racism and ableism. And for those listening that don't know, you know, ableism is basically the same. It's D you know, because a person is visibly disabled, I devalue them or, you know, I, I interview them and they're, they've got all aces from Harvard, but maybe I think they're going to bankrupt my health plan or though they're going to be sick when they're managing my most important project or, you know, or, oh, maybe I don't want to sell the house to them because they'll retrofit it and the resale will be crappy or something. So again, it's that, it's just, it's just point blank devaluing without unraveling the entire person, which again, it would be like, God forbid, in in times when we were young people, where perhaps an African American architect was a fabulous person, but 11 years into the job, they were glorified draftsmen because of the institutional racism of the, you know, their firm did not picture them as a project lead. So, again, mm-hmm. just drawing that parallel, you know, I, you know, I, again, you know, I'm old enough to remember there were almost no black people in the catalog for Sears or pennies or the the advertisements on TV. And, you know, and somebody could say like, well, you know, folks in that group still have to buy a tennis racket. They still want to buy a jogging suit. They'll come, but somebody caught on. And, you know, I I just, I got to think, looking back, I, I almost weep to think that how crazy that was that everybody had to look like me. That's just insane. And clearly now they're very inclusive commercial making, but why, you know, again, James Cornerfield Operations from the Highline in New York has a lot of clip art of that. He always shows different races, different genders, different not just wheelchair disabilities, canes, crutches, but it just it looks like a real city. And why not? Yeah. You know, and again, even if it's a rural village that's trying to create a little bit of a town center, why? Why would you want? You know, again, if if you and I were bidding for a project in Asia we would probably behoove ourselves to find some people that look asian you know now yeah. if it was a, if it was an asian investor for america maybe we'd have a diversity of everything but i'm guessing a high percent of the people walking to the park or going to the new train station with a mall over top of it might look like representative of the community so yeah, yeah, that's like, what you- I, I really feel this visibility is is going to help kick the door in where people don't have this oh i don't know how to talk to you or now, I, I, some of my architect friends are like, oh, Steve, you're my point person for the dis- differently, physically. And it's like, just say disabled. Quit, yeah. quit with all these you know, crazy words. It's like, it's just, disabled is not pejorative. You know, freaking out over 90 nomen- nomenclature is pejorative.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, let, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to get off and, and uh, I heard about you. You were recently in Michigan, Detroit, Grand yeah, Rapids yeah. there. Yeah. Go on. How, how'd oh, that sure. go? What, what, sure. what was the topic, yes. first of all?
1: There's a uh, Disability Advocates of Kent County. Kent is the the, the county seat of Grand Rapids, uh, which has a lot of billionaires there, a lot of innovative people stayed in Grand Rapids. Uh, They probably have a vacation home next to me in Miami. But anyhow, uh, no, the yeah, some people said, oh, you know, Grand Rapids, that's not as big as Manhattan or Chicago or or, or L.A. or something. But I, I will say as... As Grand Rapids is to disability, inclusion, and advocacy is cons or cans or however we pronounce that, you know, the film festival in France is to film, you know, it's, it's not the biggest city, but it's the essential. They, uh, their downtown development organization, pretty much every larger project, they hire this nonprofit to do disability walkthroughs that way you're not. You, know, you don't have 99% drawings and say, "Oh crap, the accessible restrooms three feet wide instead of a five-foot turn radius." Have you? Or, yeah, you know, this nature trail can be made accessible without over-paving it or blowing up the natural beauty. So I, I just that's very progressive, and they have an annual meeting where they bring in. I should say. You know, They bring in top rank experts and Steve because I I don't want to put myself with this. I don't want to put myself with the Mount Rushmore of these geniuses that have sold million, you know, bestseller books or whatever. But uh, yeah, this year I got to do the urban planning sector, and and it's cool because a lot of my people were nodding their head. They, you know, they weren't they weren't giving me the finger or or playing with Mm. their phone. They were they they were landscape architects and town planners and city building code people in the disability community. So and it was not a small room. It was, it was a goodly number of people. So it's like, you know, we, we need to replicate that where we're bringing in speakers and we're giving really delicious chocolate cook, chip cookies and a real <laughs> nice lunch, you know, but, uh, no, it just, yeah, again, they, it was at the DeVos center. It was, you know, the center for performing arts. Maybe I could say I sent it the same stage at, I don't know, whatever, some country musician or, or Johnny Mathis played at or something. But it was just, it was so inclusive. And, and, uh, I, I'll pause for just a second because I don't want to ramble as I want to do. But Detroit, uh, I through working on a story on, on urban redevelopment and, and certainly Detroit does not take offense when you tell them that they were sort of rock bottom for for several decades. And I think they went from 2.2 million people to four oh, yeah. million people in the city proper. They, they, yeah. they definitely had. Yeah, they were sort of the learning lab for all the sad things that happen with with division of people, et cetera. And they've got this the downtown Deploy partnership is actually 100 years old it's one of if not the oldest groups that work about on the urban space and recruiting and retaining good businesses et cetera. so i was just doing a story on development nerd stuff not ada per se and i made fast friends with their director who is also part of a legacy development family in that community so he really gets both sides of it and uh, i kind of said hey I'm going to fly into Detroit because I don't want to make two connections to fly into Gerald Ford and Grand Rapids. You think you could throw a little money in a decent hotel room at me if I, if I did a walking tour. And again, Mm. his name's Eric Larson. He was wonderful. And I'll give you a quick example of the kind of things I saw that, that evidently architects, engineers, town planners, deputy mayors did not. They have a streetcar called the Q line. Uh, It's, been in business i think about 5 years it goes about 3 or 4 miles on Woodward Avenue is like their main street from the Detroit River to the burbs uh it's a great equalizer people in poorer neighborhoods can take it for free to come work uh you know it's it moves faster than the cars so you can get downtown it's very clean it has about eight positions 6 to 8 positions for for wheelchair users to roll on comfortably now the boarding stations and again i'm i'm a cleveland native so i know the cold but uh, you know, it was like 58 degrees one morning in June and I was ready to put on a parka because I got my Miami skin now. But you think about waiting. A little bit of an area for to get you out of the snow and wind. The entry point, right, that lines up with the car openings. Two little baby steps, maybe three quarters of an inch. And again, this okay. is a brand new thing. So okay. this wasn't something that was built in the time of Teddy Roosevelt and needs retrofitting. You know, it's a brand mm-hmm. new no signage. At the end, and I'm not talking a whole city block, but a decent, you know, maybe 100 feet, there was a little wedge that was beveled, and that's your accessible entrance. So, you know, if you're on crutches, if you're a slow walker, if you have a pulmonary issue, if you're in a chair and, and manually push yourself, or even if your battery's running low, if it's a power, you got to figure out where it is. You might miss a train if it stopped right there, figuring out how you board, you know, and you might wear yourself out. If, if you're going to do five stops that day, see the museum, grab a, you know, you're what you're going out of the way. And I, mm-hmm. I started to say, well, here, you know, get your local art institute to do some wayfinding signage and point, at least point to it, where if somebody's racing up to get the train, they know to head to the right. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, why the heck can't the main entrance be a little, you know, I, it wouldn't even be a 1 to 12, it would be like a 1 to 20 ramp. It would be so tiny, the naked eye could barely see it. It's like, what lunatic... Thought that putting those two little steps somehow make it good. Now you know it is it is ADA compliant because if you sue, they'd say, well, if you go eighty five feet to the right, there's this little beveled ramp entrance. But again, why segregate? Segregation has a very bad history in our in our nation. Why why not just? And again, those two little baby steps were all painted in yellow, and I, and I kind of went back to my hillbilly roots and I said, you know. Ain't you folks got a risk manager up here, you know, to get their attention? And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Whoever he or she is must bite their nails till they bleed because you, your architects at something like 28 stations introduced a tripping hazard, you know, <laughs> for the for the 200 grand that you could come in and 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 elect you know a concrete saw and bevel these main entrances, you're going to write one slip and fall, you're probably going to write a 180 grand check and that'd probably fund your retrofitting, so." Again,
0: when it comes down to money. Yeah. Let's, um, let's,
1: sorry, let's, let's but, get into well, politics.
0: Let's but get, get into politics.
1: It does not. I'm sorry. In one way, it, it's not yeah. just money. If somebody would have made the grand entrance beveled to start with, it wouldn't have cost a penny. So there, you know,
0: just, <laughs> just common sense.
1: There you go. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a show last month. I think, and it was just, we just ended up talking about common sense for crying out loud. And, people get you know, slap yeah. them up. Well, All right. I'm, so. January 26th of this of this year, you did an interview with Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Right. And I want to read uh, how that conversation went. And you asked, Mr. Buttigieg, accessible travel options uh, can be the difference between making it to employment, healthcare, and daily needs or not. What are your overall thoughts of the U.S. DOT, United States Department of Transportation's role in removing barriers and creating inclusion for people with disabilities. Now just does a nice job of dancing here. One of the most basic things you need in order to thrive is the ability to get to where you need to be. That is everything for from educational opportunity to healthcare to a job. There are gaps for everybody in our transportation system but most people can more or less assume that they'll at least get one way to get there where, uh, where they need to go. He went on in the next Uh, after he held his breath for a second, he covered himself. That's not always true for Americans with disabilities. And that's particularly something we need to see for wheelchair users. Good job. For the uh, great number of different Americans experiencing disabilities, if we fail to provide the right kind of transportation connectivity, that means not only that they miss out on an opportunity, but that our country and our communities miss out on what they have to contribute. I have to go back and I highlighted this puppy. If we fail, has anything been done so far? I know.
1: And that, and for the record, I did a zoom with him. I looked him in his eye, you know, and, and I can certainly, as you could tell, be very cynical and snarky, but <laughs> yeah, I, well, for the half hour that we talked or more, I re- for what it's worth. And I know he's a mercurial figure, but I, I really felt like he was not being coached by a PR person that he really did buy in. Obviously he, as an openly gay man who adopted a kid, he he is a well, person of diversity. So I, I again, I felt that. like he was not just saying the right thing and then you know throwing up when he went off camera and saying "I don't, you know, that's a bunch of crap." But that next interview, I, I felt he was legit. But you know, let's face it, yeah, we're all saying rubber meets the road. I, you know, yeah. anybody within the disability community saw. In fact, it was like the leads story in NPR, so it was everybody. Uh, you know that what it was a Delta Airlines was in Germany developing that that rollerboard for a, for a, you know, for a jet airliner where you could roll a board with your own manual chair so it doesn't get busted apart being stowed underneath. So, you know, again, we're, we're going to see, you know, are they going to say you have 20 years to phase that in? Is the DOT going to say you have 10 or are they, and, and again, you know, I don't, right. I don't particularly like subsidies because that's almost saying that, that disability is a loss leader, but, you know, we have all, you know, we have subsidies for renewable energy or, or, you know, or wind fields. So if, if that's what it takes to say, OK, I get it, you know, to have two roll power chair seats, that's six regular seats that you could sell. And then that's such and such, you know, if there if there's some again, I to me, I just feel like just make the regulation and it happens. Just like, you know, I don't think there's things that forgive air traffic control, you know, directors for being drunk on the job. You know, it's just this is what should be. So why not mm-hmm. just say this should be accessibility and, and or like that, you know. I wouldn't mind them saying hey new york mta you know you get whatever however many hundreds of millions of, of federal dollars you know if you don't show me that within eight years that all your stations are going to be accessible <laughs> no more flow you know i don't know of course maybe you know maybe the mta would vote to put itself out of business rather than be accessible you know but it's just like you know there are ways of using the hammer you know but, or like that you know wait maybe department of labor commissions a study that shows How many people are, again, there's dignity in all work, but maybe there's a person with disability that's a glorified library volunteer for minimum wage and they're trained as an engineer, you know, and maybe the lack of accessible housing or transportation, they said, you know what, I've got a subsidized unit, I pay 30% of my gross, even if my gross is 800 a month or whatever, I'm going to stick with that. That's, That's not actualizing the person. So, you know, maybe... Maybe we need numbers that even the, the budget hawks say, oh, wow, you know, I can send 80 grand to this guy to keep him afloat as a volunteer or he can make 88 grand or, you know, and she, I don't mean to make it gender, you know, I, mean, I do yeah. want to make it gender neutral, but, you know, maybe she could be an engineer and after four or five years with the big firm is actually in product or streetscape development that makes things even more accessible. And that firm you know, it doubles its money because it's the go-to firm for inclusive design. Wow. It, wouldn't that be wonderful? I don't think that's a great stretch. That's not my swimming pool on Mars analogy. I think that's a low-hanging fruit possibility.
0: I, I found something else that you wrote that makes me go back to what you were talking about with Detroit. And I'll read it. There's a wise and brutally frank saying in the disability community, nothing about us without us. It clearly means that there uh, that if there are no people with disabilities at the table, no planning with that in mind, nothing good will come out of the meeting, well-meaning, but insultingly patterned plans and processes that exclude them. Well, I guess it kind of goes with what Buttigieg did, but it goes definitely goes directly back to what you were talking about getting on and off uh, the transit system in in Detroit. Did I they bring somebody in? Did know, they bring somebody in with, with on a wheelchair to... Right. see how their viewpoint is or is oh, yeah, it just? Yeah.
1: No, I, I, uh, I, you know, I told them, I said, believe it or not, you know, you're still a very large metropolitan area. I can guarantee you, you have a center for independent living and you have a lighthouse for the blind. You might have hmm. other, you know, you may have disabled Wayne state's a fairly substantial size. It's grown a lot at the university. There's probably a disabled students union there or a disability coordinator for that, that might have some in. And, and I'll say that two prong, you know, Detroit was very good to me. they, I, I spoke at a, at a graduation. It wasn't even scripted, but it was kind of like, hey, if you're flying out at 10 and you can talk at three, it, it was a, it was like a leadership institute for Urban Land Institute. And it turns out one of the gals there is a realtor, but she also works at their Center for Independent Living. So everybody was plugged in and, and they are going to do some great inclusion, even like just specking little picnic tables at their at their campus marshes park which was usa today says is the greatest public space in america by their readers poll you know just you know little stuff like that or replacing hard pack that floods on wheelchair wheels with with a better poured in place rubberized surface so they are they're doing things um they're they're putting their money where their mouth is uh if i can segue to just one other thing about that well i'm sorry i have two number one bringing somebody from a cil or what have you is nice but i'm also telling i'm i'm chomping down on that hand that feeds me with my architecture and engineering clients and saying hey you know you've got a surveyor you've got a geotech you've got subconsultants that i'm not even sure what they do and they all get paid 280 bucks an hour fully loaded because you know they hmm. the person makes 90 bucks an hour and they they do that like you know the there's like an overhead rate that's a three times multiplier so even if they're, if you're a Godfather fan, even if they're the Fredo, of the family that gives their numbers late and screwed up, they're, they're making bank. But when it's disability, it's like, oh, let's get Sparky over here. We'll give him cold pizza and warm orange juice and pat him on the head. It's I'm like, you know, why are you not going? I mean, there's large planning firms and gigantic architecture and engineering. Why aren't you going to colleges and recruiting? You know, you, you invented this wheel when you were in a city that was 30% African-American and you had two out of 2000 employees that were African American. So, or, or, you know, you had no female project managers. They were the receptionists or the beginners. It's like, you've, you've perfected this model at going and saying, Hey, we want you, we value your input. If, if you, you know, if you play your cards right in seven years, you're going to be at the corner office. You're not just going to be a glorified, you know, drafts person playing on the CAD machine. So, you know, why aren't these places going to the college fairs and, and adding, you know, the DEI I very much believe in race-based, gender, etc. But why are we not open in that circle? And then, as I completely blow out your ears and ramble, as I love the sound of my own voice here, uh, I uh, I'm working on a project. I maybe it's a non-disclosure, and I'm I'm saying something I shouldn't. But the Buffalo Bills, they've announced this. They're building a brand new stadium after I think their stadium dates to the '70s, and they had a kickoff meeting. To me, this was wonderful. I was not at it, but. I have been to stadium and such of processes where the plans are eighty five percent drawn. Every, you know, the steel is bid. The the people are ready to bring in the trucks. Then they have the thing, and even if somebody comes up with a really good idea that costs ten bucks times ten, they kind of pat you on the head like, well, you know, like, oh, this is such a lovely opinion. And uh-huh. they go in the back in the clubhouse. It's like, hey, we're done. Screw them. Well, this one. They went out to every imaginable disability organization. I I was just looking at a video clip and, you know, it's, I mean, wheelchair users, low vision, completely blind, hearing, amputee, crutches, uh, aging, neurodiverse. So when someone raised their hand and said, you know, the retrofitted stadium has this thing to plug into my listening device and it's okay, but there's dead zones. Or when I go, you know, you, you lowered your concession stand, but. That lowered areas where the mop and bucket always is. Mm, they don't okay. use it. So could you... I've seen they, that. I, again, oddly enough, one of their lead architects was a Buffalo Bills linebacker that, that graduated engineering school and works at a thing called Populous that builds half of our stadium. So I, I just, it was refreshing. They, and I've seen some of their notes. Like I said, I don't want to violate my non-disclosure, but they cared. This was not just that little... Oh, we you know we did good. We, we'll, we you know we won't trip on our way to heaven. We we made the you know, we made you know we made them people feel like they counted, even though we went back and said oh, BS. You know, snowball's chance of integrating. So that yeah. was there's hope. There's hope. They they even they redrew their EV their electric vehicle stations to make sure there were which again you should have lowered charging stations, but I guess the standard is like eye height of an NBA player. So they're like hey oh, okay. we need to build we need to build four of these more like waist height. So again, you know, that was
0: common sense. You common know, sense.
1: Uh, you know, the guy, the dumb guy says, Oh, here's a little bell to ring and someone will come help you because you know you're you're only half a person, so you can ring the bag button, and you know, then the bag button breaks, etc. So
0: well <laughs> I want to get into one more thing, and I think it wrap it's gonna wrap up our discussion nicely. And then we're gonna turn over. Yeah. It amazes me when I visit. Uh, Excuse me. It amazes me when I visit a new urbanist beach town and find almost always a long ramp over protected nature and dunes that ends in stairs down to the beach. The ramp is already there. No one is freaked out by it. No waterfront experiences are ruined. So why not ramp the beach part of the walkway? I could fill a room with people who have limited mobility, but swim, surf, sun, and otherwise use the beach. Oh, my God. (laughs) Common sense. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. I, you know, you and I. Some there's days where I, you know, I, I think I'm going to have a bruise on my forehead because I'm going to keep smacking it, <laughs> it like the wall. Folks, it's yeah, it's still just eighteen hundred dollars in lumber or you know or recycled tires that make those hard. Days. It's like it's no more money. And then some. Well, I'll, maybe this helps me dovetail to a a legendary architect that I worked with, uh, who will remain nameless. Cause I think he actually threatened to sue me the last time I complained. About <laughs> but you be no.
0: careful. Don't get me involved. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, I know we don't have, you know, I don't have a big legal fund here, but any, no, just, he was saying, you know, Oh, you know, you've been a caregiver in your life. And, and, you know, th- I'm so sick of this ADA stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I said, I know you're like a multimillionaire and you're like half on the cover of time magazine, whatever goody for you. But I said, just give me your design process. And it's like, well, you know, we do a lot of condos and, you know, we, we drag the wet walls on 3D modeling, and if the condo king says we need an A, B, and C unit, and we only had an A and B, we drag those, and then we look at the parking shares and the sexy, you know, restaurant in the ground floor if it's in a big tourist area, and da da da. And I'm like, he's like, and you know, then we start thinking about, and I'm like, oh, okay, so you know, you've done everything on earth, but the thing for the human being is like mm-hmm. a little asterisk afterthought. And I'm like, so, I said, you're rich guy. I said, I've seen your house. You know, it's like. 400, 4,800 square foot and has as many maids as it, that we have designers at the firm. I'm like, so you're the guy that saves meatloaf, you know, at your dinner party, fancy dinner party. And like you throw it in five minutes before it comes out raw, you know, half your, half your people there puke and they think you're an idiot. And you go around and, you know, you blame the meat. It's like, my friend, it ain't the meat. It's the chef, mm. <laughs> you know, which pretty much was telling him that, Hey, you know, you may understand architecture, but you don't know shit about human beings because, you know, yeah. if you designed for the human and then did all your fancy cornice and your curtain wall and all that, you'd have something that was inclusive. And, it, it you know, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy. He was making it a pain in the keister. You know, I don't.
0: I, it just <laughs> needs to be slapped up. OK. I, I told you.
1: Remember those V8 commercials where the person smacked yes, the head? I'm going to like. Yes. I th- I'm going to do that. I'll, I might actually bring the you know, the, the, whatever, not the, not the
0: eight ounce can. I'm going to bring the great old, <laughs> the
1: big one. I might actually press it against the forehead and make it, be, no, I'm Here, not. Let violent. me do it for you.
0: For
1: those well, listening, I, I'm not violent. That was just an apocryphal.
0: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you are creative though. Speaking of creativity, you, you've had many hats in your career yeah. and I just want to ask you the question and I'm not going to say, well, I was originally going to say, what was your favorite, but I don't want to ask what was your favorite, I, which was your most satisfying? Yeah, of all the hats that you've worn yeah. in your career. That,
1: to be honest, it was probably the, the least paying. So you know, Dad didn't teach me right as far as retiring at fifty or something. But no, I, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had moved to Miami. Uh, my Spanish was Yocito Taco Bell, I think. You mm. know, I, I had had a very poor teacher in high school <laughs> for just one year. So uh, anyhow, and and I bought an old house that was actually condemned from from Santeria practitioners and and kind of all the things that were falling apart, kind of redid for wheelchair access. And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, anyhow, I somewhere I like within a month or two of moving in, I I ran into a city commissioner and he was real proud about a groundbreaking. I'm like, yeah, it's really wonderful. But if you'd have done this and this, it would be even lasting. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of like, wow, everybody kisses my rear end because they want a job or they want a zoning entitlement or they want their kid to be a summer intern. He's like, you, you were polite, but you actually pointed out what I did wrong. And he's like, you want to go to lunch next week? I'm like, yeah, sure. And basically he, he offered me a job it was part-time at first. Cause I think they couldn't figure out if this Ohioan was going to turn tail and run back in the mm-hmm. cover of night from eclectic Miami. But I, uh, I was the policy advisor and I, I got to the point where I certainly wasn't a constituent service person, but I, you know, I could do my Espanol in the present tense and fifth grade to talk to the, the ladies that came in, but, uh, no, it was just helping form, and, you know, we, we made a lot of dumb decisions. You know, nobody bats, you know, you bat 400 in your Hall of Famer. So if we got four out of 10, right. But just helping human beings. Uh, you know, in Ohio, pretty much everybody spoke language. Everybody had an attorney or a homeowners association rep. So they went through channel, you know, here, you literally might have an old lady take three bus transfers to come there. And I'll give you a story. One time a lady came in, and I was kind of keeping up with 80% of the Spanish. She, uh, it was a gas station was too cheap to put the coil for diesel because it's supposed to be a big, bigger coil that prevents you from pumping gas into a regular tank and she ruined her gas tank oh. and i uh you know i kind of held my own till somebody who was a native speaker but i was you know it was basically just don't cry you know and again there was no law in the books there was a but you know basically you know we kind of strong-armed the guy that owned like nine gas stations in the coyoto corridor to say hey you should have had this. You probably could have your thing suspended by the Bureau of Professional Relations or whatever the thing is in Tallahassee for not having your coil. You know, you are going to buy Graciela, the abuela, a new gas tank, and okay, you're going to cool. give her a card to give her like eight fill ups, you know. And again, it was, you know, it was nothing by ordinance. It was nothing by a four fifths vote. There wasn't anything in the city code, but it just, you know, I, yeah, you know, that old lady was on a fixed income, you know, she was going to be, eating, you know pork and beans and pork rinds the rest of her life to make up for a $2,000 fit retrofit mm. of her car, you know, and mm. her daughter was a single mom. She, she needed to pick up the grandkid at school. And so the, you know, just looking at that Domino that could collapse That you know, the daughter might lose the job. The kid might, you know, whatever, maybe go to a poorer school system if they had to live walking distance. It's just, that was so satisfying to learn this sort of, you know, ward healer, which maybe has a Tammy Hall connotation, but just that, that, you know, there's a picture on the thing, and it's my handsome boss, and the and the ladies take their three breast transfers, and I and I can babble in my second language till I I figure out a way of helping you. What could be better than that? You,
0: well, you know, didn't here's get something
1: rich until I made my rent doing
0: that. <laughs> here's something that sounds a little bit better. I mean, it, it talk about Hads. Uh, you're right. It, I read that you're writing a book about how walkable, connected, barrier-free neighborhoods helped you lose 125 pounds in 18 months with no yeah. surgery. Yeah, yeah. Summarize that. Well,
1: huh? no, you know, with every good, there was a bad, I, I, I was the world's biggest hypocrite because I was going around town to make things healthy and walkable. And I looked like death warmed over. Oh, you know, okay.
0: So you took you know, it as a personal 52
1: inch bell. I'm just saying got you know, it, got it, to, got it. to succeed with that, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, to be the greatest ex con, you have to be a con to start with. So, you know, okay. I did, no, but I just, uh, no, I, I, uh, it was during it was during covid. And I guess most people started making banana bread at home and put on 12 pounds or something. But I just yeah. thought, you know, I'm I'm going to be 100 percent from home. I'm not going to be doing in, you know, I'm not going to be driving an hour to a meeting and back. And that takes three hours of my day. So I can go to Publix as our grocery store and start buying fish and fruit. And then I kind of just threw out all those things that were like, oh, I'll just have it once a month. But I was having it once a day. And I just mm-hmm. and I started doing a a survey. It's not published. It wasn't funded, but I kind of did a survey of walkability slash universal design which is not pure ada it's just that you know can you cross the street without getting run over you know is there a sidewalk but it floods is there a curb ramp but there's a catch basin where a wheelchair wheel would get caught in it which is kind of a dummy move you know so i just the more i walked the more i wasn't out of breath and the more i could walk in 80 degree or 88 degree 80 percent humidity summer and i wasn't ready to have a heart attack and it just then it started becoming fun and I bought a bicycle, and you know the rest is now. You know, I think I went down to like one seventy. I uh, after eating some Detroit Detroit Coney dogs and deep dish pizza, I, I might be like one eighty two right now. So I, you know, <laughs> bless but me, you, Father of the pounds I have you, sinned. You know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta
0: take, you gotta take care of that. But something else to take care about. That sound means uh, from the VW Beetle means it's time to shift gears with the road trip roundup. Now I've got five questions for you, Steve. You. Go at them however you want. All right. So, going to learn a little bit of some. Well, we've already learned a lot lot about you. But when road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners?
1: Oh, local diners, hundred percent. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost. We're we're probably at least eighty-five percent of our of our guests are doing local diners. Whether they really do it because you're under a timestamp or is is different. But I get it. I get it. I mean, you could learn a lot about the people. All right. When um. So what's your dream car for a road trip it could be something you grew up with could be something you have could be something yeah. you'd rent in order to go on a road trip I am
1: I am horribly pragmatic so i, I I've driven Toyota Corollas so it would probably be a it might be a Toyota hybrid so I can whatever okay. get that 52 miles to the gallon but i am I am not a fancy car man
0: okay just something that's comfortable you got to get from point A to point b Nothing wrong with that.
1: You know, you, you change the oil and you get 200,000 miles on it. If you know, if you didn't get a that
0: that's Steve. Well, here's something you might like though, inside of that. What's the last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip?
1: Oh, wow. Um, it was the eponymous debut album by colorblind James experience that they colorblind James was a dear friend of me from Rochester, New York. Unfortunately he passed away young, but, uh, they were sort of a rootsy, ironic, iconic band that John Peel, the famous London DJ fell in love with them more than the American DJs. But, uh, and all I have is a cassette of them. I don't even know if they press, maybe they press CDs and I don't know if they're on Spotify. So hmm. I, uh, I literally have a tape rec- nice fancy tape recorder that I used to use for interviews, you know, when I was a reporter yeah. on the street and I played it out of that. So it was a little bit monophone, but, uh, you know, just there's songs that touch my heart and they're, they're, they're ironic and silly. And then Mm -hmm. I probably wept because I missed Chuck because Chuck
0: was good people. Those are the things that we bring with us. Yes. All right. Straight up Coke or Pepsi Coke. Okay. God, (laughs) we're over 90% of the people that drink Coke. Sorry, Pepsi. Oh my, oh my it's amazing how many people on the show that yeah, I'm, go. I'm
1: betraying. I'm, at, I'm betraying me. i in La Pequeña Albana because it seems like Pepsi must've really hit big in, in Havana and, and, and all of Cuba because almost all my neighbors have Pepsi Cola and almost all my neighbors are Cuban Americans. So, you know, I'm either unique or quite the traitor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's love this question. What's your favorite road trip memory? Yeah. Uh,
1: I'll, I'll go sideways with that. It was okay. my greatest. Uh, it was my greatest survival when I spoke in Paris. And you know it, what? You know, okay. Paris is Paris, right? We all pay a fortune even to sleep in a three star or something. I uh, I was being Mister Transit, so instead of taking a, a whatever a seventy euro taxi, I rode the train in. There's there's a train that goes to the Charles, Charles de Gaulle, and. The minute I connected to a local train, uh, five guys jumped me. They took oh. everything but my passport. I, I was a oh. dummy. I should have. I should have hidden my my cash down in the thing. I, I just. I was very sleepy because I don't sleep good on planes. But anyway, I I got a concussion, which I didn't oh. know I had, and and beat the crap out of and got about six hundred dollars separated from me. And uh, I, uh, so yeah, I, I basically went. I, I I actually took a car then, but I spoke on the outskirts of Paris with like the mayor's chief of staff and some presidents for planning. And I I basically was on two nights, no sleep. And right after I left the stage, I threw up, not because I was scared, but because I had undiagnosed, uh, uh, I'm sorry, undiagnosed concussion symptoms. But the the goal in the story was that I still love cities. I'm nutty enough to say now again, you know, probably those four guys, you know, maybe shot it up their arm for drug money. But if they were Former colonists of of Paris that were there trying to make ends, you know, if that went for baby formula, I wish they would have asked me instead of pushing my noggin up up against the subway rail that that uh, banged my head. But I, unfortunately, was unpublished. I had these designs on the New York Times using a Steve op-ed piece. But I, I, right after the thing, after I got home, I wrote about, you know, cities have made have made me wealthy as far as a human, not not pocketbook, and there is a wealth in them and I am willing to sweat even the most unseemly, God forbid, they got everything but the passport side because those other ninety nine and forty four one hundredth time, I they have paid me dividends. Uh, yeah. you know, I grew up in a homogenous town. Everybody looked like me. It was boring as hell. Everybody had the same story. You know, grandpa was a farmer. Dad works in a factory. You know, mom's sending me to college and, you know, meeting people with a completely different background. I, you can't put a price on that.
0: Yeah. So you so. like to travel. That's cool. Well, we're going to travel on out of here and I just want to close by saying and relax, everybody, and keep listening to Life's A Road Trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip.